1: Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. 12.03
2: on Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rob Hart. Mayor Lightfoot now has 10 challengers in her bid for re-election. We'll cover that in our next segment, but right now the latest reading of inflation is out along with the weekly tally of jobless claims. We're joined by Andrew Bush, former Chief Markets Intelligence Officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economist at AndrewBush.com, based in Charlotte, North Carolina. Andy, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Consumer prices rising four-tenths of a percent in October. That's less than expected. And uh, 7.7% from a year ago. That's below estimates. How do we interpret this report? Is it a triumph of uh, prices actually going down, or is it a triumph of massaging statistics?
0: No, no one's massaging statistics. But what it is is a shift. From where we were under COVID, where people were buying a lot of goods and had a lot of supply chain disruption and a lot of – impact from the Ukraine war, right? that hurt energy prices, they went up dramatically. Now we're seeing a shift back towards people buying services um, and energy prices, while they didn't come off much last month, we've seen the goods area, those prices have come down significantly. So um, there's, some, there's some good news in this number, and the markets certainly are going bananas over it, so they love it. They think that the Fed's going to stop you know, raising rates sooner than expected. I would tell everybody to slow their roll on that one. But, you know, hey, the markets do what they do. But the thing that's hidden in there that I'm worried about is the shelter prices. Those prices went up last month, uh, and they continue to go up. And that matters for CPI because it's literally a third of the CPI. So, yeah, I mean, we're excited to see that this number is below 8%. percent that's great but overall it's still way too high right
2: well you remember the guy who was running for elected office in new york city about 12 years ago and his whole platform is the rent is too darn high (laughs) uh that appears to be the uh the the cpi's uh uh, big concluding statement this month
0: yeah i think you're right and it takes a while for that shelter number to start to go down. It's very sticky. That's what we call in economics when a price doesn't come down much. Um, you're going to see home prices start to soften significantly. How far down they go, I don't know. But the housing affordability, you've been talking about it for a long time. and that's just tanked. So people have stopped buying. Uh, mortgage rates over 7% will do that. So that's, We know that's coming, but it's just not here yet.
2: And then let's take a look at core CPI. Uh, that's when you take out uh, food and 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 fuel prices. Uh, there are some things to like, uh, even though uh, the rent, uh, as we said, may be too darn high. Uh, you're getting a real deal on used cars these days.
0: Yeah, no doubt. It's interesting, isn't it, how energy affects everything, right? Transportation, cars. Um, food prices, obviously, is another place, but the core, excluding food and energy, that came down significantly. That was down from uh, that was came in at zero plus point three percent, down from zero point six percent. So that's half of what it was before. Uh, But I just want everybody to remember CPI, it's a big number and everybody watches it, but the Fed doesn't use that for what they do for making monetary policy. They look at something called core PCE, and that's still pretty elevated. That one actually up last month. So let's, again, you know, this is great news that we're seeing this come off, but. We got it. We need many more months of data like this to, to feel a lot better about the Fed eventually stopping uh, the rate hikes.
2: Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, economist Andrew dot com, based in Charlotte, North Carolina. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Coming up, the Chicago mayoral race gets more crowded. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Congressman
2: Jesus Chuy Garcia is the latest combatant in the battle for mayor of Chicago. Let's talk about the crowded race with Greg Hines, columnist, Crane Chicago Business. Greg, thanks for joining us to be uh, joining us today. Uh, Far be it for me to make a uh, a value judgment of uh, all of the candidates who are now in the race to replace Mayor Lightfoot as she runs for a second term next year. Uh, This seems like, uh, with Congressman uh, Garcia coming in, might be the first uh, real challenger with a serious stature to enter this race.
3: Well, maybe, uh, potentially. Uh, Rob, we're going to have to find out. Um, uh, Chua Garcia is certainly somebody who's known uh, somebody who's run before. If nothing else, he has name recognition, which is where you always have to start in politics. Uh, on the other hand, the coalition that got him where he is in politics is not fully behind him this time. Uh, in particular, uh, some of the big progressive unions, the Chicago Teachers Union, for instance, or two locals from SEIU, the Government Workers Union, uh, they're, they're instead with uh, County Commissioner Brandon Johnson. Um, that's significant because it costs Garcia uh, field troops, And it leaves him without an obvious source of ready cash because each of of those two unions, one of them's already spent more than a million dollars on Johnson. Um, He's going to have to replace that. it just means that his his base is divided. You never want to go into an election with with your base divided. I'm not writing him off but it's not the same as it was.
2: It seems like you have two lanes uh, forming uh, in this race. You have the law and order lane and you have the progressive lane and uh, Congressman Garcia certainly in the progressive lane. Um, Anything we might have learned from the election on Tuesday night that uh, maybe one lane could be more potent than the other? Uh, Crime was a huge issue in the governor's race, but that didn't really slow down the Democrats or Governor J.B. Pritzker. So does that change the math in Chicago going in the next year?
3: Uh, maybe. It's a really good question that uh, I'm not sure we know the answer to yet. Uh, there's no question that Republican strategists and allies really played that up. They couldn't turn on TV but not see ominous ads about uh, all the places going to hell in a and You have to vote for, for Republicans. It didn't work. Um, maybe that will also be the case with the uh, uh, with the mayor's race. Or maybe people will say, hey, that the mayor has more direct to do with, uh, with climate and you can hold them more directly responsible. But it's certainly an open question right now.
2: And then as far as uh, the electoral math in Washington is concerned, on Friday night when uh, word leaked that uh, Congressman Garcia was considering running for mayor, uh, the smart money suggested that the Republicans were on the verge of winning a rather comfortable majority in the House of Representatives. Now it's a jump ball uh, the way these uh, votes are being counted out west, a lot of mail ballots are still uh, uh, yet to be counted, and that uh, the question of who gets a majority is really up in the air the republicans could get a two-seat or three-seat majority the democrats could wind up uh, eking past 218 if uh, Chuy garcia runs for mayor and wins it's 115 days uh, until there is an election for a replacement in that seat that could change the balance of power in washington has that been brought up
3: uh, Lightfoot's people, our uh, Mayor Lightfoot's people, are already on that. They're, uh, they're, they're raising some questions about why is Chewy abandoning their word, uh, Congress? Um, it wouldn't affect uh, the uh, of a speaker. Uh, that will happen before uh, Congress uh, may all race. Uh, and, uh, and even if he was elected mayor, he probably wouldn't leave Congress until swearing in time, which would be in May. But it's, depending on how close the House is it could indeed cause a little bit of a problem.
2: Greg Hines, columnist, Crane Chicago Business. Thanks for joining us this afternoon as we talk about the uh, another entrant in the race for mayor of Chicago, uh, Jesus Chuy Garcia. He forced Rahm Emanuel to a runoff in 2015 but lost the second round. It's 12-14. Coming up next,
1: cryptocurrencies are staging a comeback. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
2: Cryptocurrencies are clawing back some of their recent losses after inflation concerns and worries surrounding the crypto exchange FTX takes a back seat Let's get the latest now from Jeff Kilberg, the founder and CEO of KKM Financial based in Chicago. Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Before we talk about this uh, crypto rebound uh, that's happening at least as far as the uh, the trading value of the currency is uh, what's the latest with uh, FTX? It sounds like they're open to withdrawals uh, once again and the uh, CEO of the company is apologizing to customers
4: well that's right rob and there's crypto chaos and it certainly is continuing as binance dropped their bid to buy rival ftx so it was at one moment in time rob ftx was valued at 32 billion dollars uh, i think that valuation you can count on one single hand now in the billion so what's interesting is that the CEO did come out and apologize. I don't know how far uh, I'm sorry goes uh, when you lose billions and billions of dollars. And currently, they have about an $8 billion gap, $8 billion need to make good on redemptions of clients. So this is a hot mess. I don't know how else to say it, Rob, but it is interesting to see. We saw the price of Bitcoin go down and in the 15000 level. It has recovered. Certainly, there's a correlation to stocks moving higher off of a, a less than um, hotter expected CPI data, but right now we are seeing a lot of volatility just in today's range. You've seen a $2,500 range in the price of Bitcoin, but there's still more to unpack here. But it is interesting to see as this crypto billionaire, Sam Bankman-Fried, he's blaming himself. He's taking all the, uh, the, the credit he's, he's admitting he said he should have done a better job, but uh, you, you don't lose tens of billions of dollars. In this manner. And this is one of the biggest fears I think cryptocurrency investors had having visibility, having transparency into these exchanges, and also having under regulation. You don't see this happening on the New York Stock Exchange or the Chicago Mercantile Exchange Group.
2: This, uh, this has been quite the year for FTX. It begins with uh, the Super Bowl commercial with Larry David uh, as various figures throughout history uh, poo-pooing uh, all innovation as it comes his way, uh, trying to represent the people who doubt cryptocurrency. Uh, it had a big presence in the field of sports. It bought, it had naming rights to a lot of things. Uh, you would see FTX on the uh, umpire's jerseys in baseball games, for example. And now it ends with the, uh, uh, with, with the CEO apologizing for the fact that the, they cannot cover depositors. What's the next step for them?
4: You know the next step for them is going to be continued turmoil. in My opinion, uh, I think someone will come in. some of the investors, I there are some big institutional investors like Sequoia Capitals involved in here. They've already written off of their stake inside of FTX at zero. So it's going to be a very low valuation, very low takeover. But I think it's very important to separate FTX from cryptocurrency. This is an exchange. They did a poor job of transparency. They should have never have been lending customers assets. That's not allowed on an SEC red, regulated type of exchange when we trade stocks, futures or options here in the United States. So this is more the reason that there should be regulation inside of cryptocurrency. But I think you have to separate FTX from owning cryptocurrency. You are seeing uh, a broad swath of uh, cryptocurrencies move higher now after this shock to the system. But FTX is uh, probably going to end up bankrupt. I don't see how they come up with $8 billion to cover these redemptions.
2: Jeff Kilberg, founder and CEO of KKM Financial, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, we'll put the spotlight on stocks in the tech sector.
1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's news, traffic, and weather station. News Radio 105.9 the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
2: Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A congressman from Chicago announces he's interested in the job of mayor. Tropical storm Nicole is doing damage on Florida's Atlantic coast, including collapsing some homes. Technology Thursday, an update on companies in the beaten up tech sector and the movie Black Panther Wakanda Forever is expected to set box office records this weekend. WBBM Business, the market's higher the Dow is up 888 points the Nasdaq is up 587 and the S&P 500 is up 156 Acting weather says mostly sunny, windy, and seasonably warm. Today, a high near 75, and we have uh, 74 degrees right now in Chicago at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, after weeks of rumors, Chewy Garcia made it official in the last hour. Today,
1: I'm announcing my candidacy for mayor of the city of Chicago.
2: Congressman Garcia recently won re-election to the House and is joining 10 other candidates in vying for the mayor's spot in February. Garcia's announcement comes on the 40th anniversary of the start of the mayoral campaign of Harold Washington, his close friend and former colleague. A rare November hurricane made landfall in Florida early this morning. Now Tropical Storm Nicole is piling on in an already hurting state. Much of Florida
5: remains under a Tropical Storm warning, and even though Nicole wasn't nearly as devastating as Hurricane Ian,
2: it's compounding some of Ian's damage. Governor Ron DeSantis. he had a lot of that erosion on the coastline. You know, this has put some of those structures in jeopardy. This man owns a house south of Daytona Beach in Wilbur-by-the-Sea. Now that home is in the sea.
4: I was here Tuesday night and I kind of watched the wall deteriorate and then I woke up Wednesday morning and the wall was completely gone. The
5: county sheriff says more than 20 homes are also in danger of falling into the Atlantic. Peter King, CBS News Orlando.
2: It's 12:32 as the noon business hour continues presented by the village of Bedford Park. Stocks are surging on Wall Street and that's a That's an understatement. Joining us now with the latest and what's behind the rally is Paul Nolte, portfolio manager, Kingsview Asset Management, based in Chicago. Paul, thanks for joining us today. We know that investors are reacting to the Consumer Price Index report, which was considerably better than expected, uh, expectations, of course, being relative. Um, Are they betting on anything specific, though?
6: Oh, absolutely. This is, um, I think, probably the fourth go-round to a Fed pivot or a Fed pause. We caught a little bit of that uh, from Fed Governor Lyle Brainerd before this last Fed meeting, indicating that maybe after the first of the year, probably a good time to just kind of sit back and see what happens with all of the rate increases that they've put through. And I think Wall Street's revisiting that discussion that maybe the Fed is a lot closer to the end of their rate hiking cycle. Uh, than maybe previously thought ahead of this number that came out today is
2: there uh, one more signpost that the uh, the Fed Chairman Jay Powell and the Board of Governors need to see before they really start talking about a pause or maybe even a reversal um, like the next uh, PCE report
6: yeah I, it's it's all about inflation. So in any part of uh, the PCE, uh, PPI number, which comes out next week, uh, we'll get another CPI report prior to the next meeting in December. Um, any other piece of economic data that's going to have some inflation component to it, even if it's wage growth and the jobless numbers, those are all going to be uh, front and center for the Fed. And still, their stated goal is still 2%. We're a long way away from that. But if we were to have inflation at the pace that we had this last month, a year from now, we'd be below 5%. So we're getting there, but it's going to be a slow process.
2: That's what I was going to say. And quite frankly, Paul, between the election and the CPI number this week, I have seen so many charts and graphs on so many different data points uh, whether it's the election or inflation um i'm sure someone's going to come come up with the uh, inflation rate in maricopa county arizona to uh, bring these two uh, <laughs> these two disciplines together <laughs> but um i that's that's the question i wanted to ask you and that is uh, the month over month increase in inflation when does it start to correlate with a number that makes the fed happy
6: uh, well, if you if you take two percent and divide that by twelve, you're going to be talking about a point two point three number at, at a pretty consistent basis, and that I think is going to make the Fed a little bit happier and a little bit more comfortable with the fact that okay, we don't have to raise increase uh, raise rates. We're going to want to see a few months of that before I think the Fed is going to talk about yeah maybe we're done for a while. And again, I don't think cutting rates is part of the vernacular yet that may come mid-year maybe late next year um, if we're able to see continued improvement in those numbers but a lot of the components that we saw today were things that we've been talking about for the last three four months that should start to come through in the cpi data they are now starting to show up. And then, Paul,
2: very quickly, I know the Fed uh, has wanted to use uh, interest rates to basically tunnel through the uh, very robust employment market, but uh, is Team Soft Landing uh, still uh, in line for possibly uh, for, for vindication? I, I think
6: it, it, it is, but mind you that uh, the employment data is certainly backward-looking maybe six weeks ago. Um, but I think there's a possibility still, because we, we've put up 200,000 new jobs, Uh, that that is still in place as long as those continue to hold.
2: Paul Nolte, Portfolio Manager, Kingsview Asset Management, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, shares of tech companies stage a major comeback.
1: Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
2: It's Technology Thursday, and this afternoon we're taking a closer look at stocks in the tech sector, which had been taking a beating for quite a while. Let's check in with Vahan Janjigian, Chief Investment Officer, Greenwich Wealth Management, based in Greenwich, Connecticut. Etiquette. vahan thanks for joining us today is this a good time to go bargain hunting with uh, some tech heavyweights
7: well yesterday would have been better um today we're seeing uh tech stocks up uh quite strongly and of course uh the rally is um being fueled by the cpi numbers which were somewhat better than expected um so this is exactly what uh we should we should expect um Technology stocks are considered long-duration securities because these are companies that um, may have large uh, cash flows, but they're not really expected to be realized until sometime in the far future, uh, whereas value stocks have their cash flows uh, much closer to the present. So when interest rates go down, uh, tech stocks go up more, and when interest rates go up, tech stocks go down more.
2: And then with uh, Microsoft or Amazon or Apple, uh, history shows it's probably a bad idea to bet against those three and that uh, if you see, do see an opportunity uh, to buy at a good price, you should probably go in there and do it uh, before the price goes up eventually. But I do want to ask about Facebook, Meta, uh, which seems to uh, be in the, uh, the, the throes of an existential crisis right now. And uh, if you're an investor, what, what do you, how do you assess that?
7: Well, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So, um, Meta is still um, down considerably from, uh, from its highs, but it is down, um, up quite a bit from, uh, you know, just last week or, or two weeks ago. Um, so, so, my view on all of these things is that um, if you are a long-term investor, um, you would probably um, be well-served by buying some shares of things like Meta today. Um, I, actually, I shouldn't say today because I, I'm very reluctant to buy any type of stock that has rallied uh, tremendously in one day. So I wouldn't be surprised if it gives back you know, some of these gains in the next few days. But you know, it is a good time to be building a position in these kinds of stocks. And that's what you know, I have been doing for my clients. And Meta is one of the stocks that I had been uh, adding to um, after that recent uh, fall. But, um, you know, my clients are long-term investors. They're willing to be patient. And I think a stock like Meadow will eventually come back, and, and we will see it higher.
2: There have been a number of comparisons to the uh, economic turmoil, and especially the, uh, the the sell-offs in the market this year, comparisons to 2000, 2001, 2002, uh, when the first uh, tech bubble popped. And a lot of people got out of tech. But if you stayed in there or you bought, you're, you were looking like a genius when uh, 2010, 2011 rolled around. Does that, uh, does that historical comparison uh, pass the smell test with you?
7: Yes, yes, it does. In fact, you know, any, people always like to compare what's happening today to what's happened in the past under the assumption that history repeats itself. Um, and to a certain extent, that is true. You know, one thing we know for the stock, from the stock market for sure is that the market always goes higher over the long term. So, yes, we'll have these major drops. We'll see things like the financial crisis. We'll see things like uh, this year's sell-off. We'll see things like, um, you know, the Great Depression, for example, back in the the 20s, they can cause stocks to go down tremendously. But if you look at a long-term chart of the stock market, you see that it goes up over time. So when you have the kinds of sell-offs that we've had, those are usually good opportunities to buy. And, you know, despite the fact that the market is – is rallying tremendously today. The S&P is still down about 18% year to date. So I think it makes sense for long-term investors to be buying stocks rather than selling. And, and what's really odd that I always find you know amusing is that when it comes to almost everything else in life, when we see things are, are cheaper than they were before, we consider buying more of it than we otherwise would. But when it comes to stocks, people want to buy when stocks are going up and they want to sell when stocks are going down, and they should be doing exactly the opposite.
2: Vahan and Chief Investment Officer with Greenwich Wealth Management based in Greenwich, Connecticut. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday. And still
1: to come, the new Marvel movie is set to shatter records. It's 60 minutes of financial planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
2: Expectations are high as the movie Black Panther Wakanda Forever opens this weekend. We welcome in Paul DeGarabedian, Senior Media Analyst for the box office tracking, company comscore based in los angeles paul thanks for joining us today it seems like the movie theater year can be measured by the one big blockbuster per month or two per month that are released and uh, several movies have already set records but uh, it's anticipated that uh, black panther wakanda forever uh, will break a record yet again
5: Rob, I think this is a really important movie. It's been a while since we've had a $100 million opening weekend film, and that was back on July 8th, the weekend of July 8th, with uh, Thor Love and Thunder, another Marvel movie. That film opened to $144 million domestically. Black Panther, the original, opened in mid-February to $202 million, went on, earned $1.347 billion worldwide. So this is a really important movie because it does signal the return to the blockbuster uh, within this year for movie theaters after a little bit of a drought, but some cool movies did come out after the summer and prior to the holiday movie season. But yeah, you're exactly right. This is another one of those movies. that's going to be a an important turning point, I think for the business. And we want to have more than one blockbuster per month, but we'll take what we can get at this point. And Avatar 2, of course, on the way in December.
2: I do want to talk about the movie business in between the blockbuster because um, obviously the multiplex is going to be a very busy place uh, this weekend and and in subsequent weekends as people try to see Black Panther again and again and again as they did before. But uh, in between the blockbusters, you see some very interesting titles, obscure titles uh, creeping their way into the top five just because if it's not a blockbuster, people are still reluctant to go. They'll catch it on streaming instead.
5: Well, you know, you're exactly right. We saw that with the Japanese anime film, One Piece Film Red, that was number two last weekend. Because in this corridor where it's been a little bit slower, there's an opportunity for films that may not have otherwise been in the top five or top ten to do that. And we've also seen that the horror genre has been incredibly popular in the post-summer movie period. So horror movies have been a mainstay of the box office for, well, certainly during the pandemic and before, but they kind of helped bridge the gap between that summer movie season with Top Gun and Doctor Strange and all these big movies, and now where we finally have another blockbuster hitting theaters. But it's nice to have those different kind of movies out there. The diversity of content, I think, is really important, but theaters want to fill seats, right? That's what they need, especially in the wake of the impact of the pandemic, how profoundly that that hurt the bottom line but this is a movie that i think uh, black panther wakanda forever that everyone's been waiting for. I think already it's getting a great buzz, and we're going to have Thursday night previews, and then it'll officially open on Friday. I think we're going to have a great weekend in movie theaters with Wakanda Forever.
2: Paul Daguerrebedian, Senior Media Analyst for the box office tracking company Comscore, based in Los Angeles. Thanks for joining us today. Of course, I do wonder, uh, now that uh, Wakanda Forever is going to be in the movie theaters starting this weekend,